0: Good morning I'm still on a page out of Pastor Chad's book here. He likes to preach down here on the floor, and I see exactly why it is i really i really like being closer to the closer to the congregation here. I'm going to open in a word of prayer. And I, we're going to end up in Romans chapter five, so I'll just give you a heads up there. We're going to end up there. Not going to quite start there, but that's going to be our text for today, is Romans chapter five. Uh, but let's first begin with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much for what you've done to prepare it, Lord. And Lord, best thing we can ask is that it has the Impact exactly like you want it to have today, Lord. Let it touch every heart and mind the way you intend it, intend for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so the title of my message today is Non-Toxic. Non-Toxic. Subtitled Peace with God. And if I'm going to talk about non-toxic, first thing I'm going to talk about is what do I mean when I say toxic? So I think it makes sense. Let's start there. You've probably heard, and you may have seen, you may even have experienced what people call a toxic relationship. It's a very popular term right now. Toxic people, toxic relationship. Can't hardly go on social media without somebody saying something about that. Usually accusing someone else of being that. Very rarely taking responsibility or uh, admitting how much we are like that. But what do we mean when we say that? And it's uh, obvious it sounds like a negative connotation, and it is. It's when people say uh, describe someone as toxic, they mean that person like drains the life out of you. You have a if you talk about toxic relationship, you talk you're talking about a relationship where you're pouring more into it than you're getting out of it. That's what people mean when they say toxic relationship. Interesting enough, in trying to research a proper definition of it, there's not really an agreed-upon definition. I actually like the definition that I just gave you better than what I found. But a more formal definition, when I say a toxic relationship, is any relationship between people who don't support each other, where there's conflict, and one seeks to undermine the other, there's competition, there's disrespect, there's a lack of cohesiveness. That's a more scholarly definition um, from the counseling world, saying this relationship is one where there's, there's a lack of support, there's conflict, there's undermining, there's competition, Disrespect, lack of cohesiveness. It's an unhealthy relationship. More commonly described as, I'm putting more into it than I'm getting out. This doesn't just apply. I like this definition because it starts off with saying any relationship between people. Because almost always hear it in casual conversations talking about a romantic relationship. Boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. That kind of thing. But this kind of relationship could be any, any relationship between people. It could be friends, family, it could be a parent-child relationship. It could be any of those relationships. And as you go through it and start to say, well, okay, what is this? I hear this term all the time. I constantly see just even casually going through social media, I constantly see people saying, Well you gotta get rid of the toxic people in your life. You gotta you gotta get rid of all these toxic relationships and these toxic people. And I've often looked at that and said, if you actually went around and were cutting people out of your life because in labeling them something and cutting them out of your life, you probably end up being the toxic person that other people are trying to they're trying to get rid of out of their lives if you actually practice that. As extreme as, as people use it. So there's that internet nonsense about it. Label everybody whoever says anything negative as toxic, kick them out of your life and you'll, promises you'll end up happy and the reality is you'll end up lonely. And then you kind of get into the more disciplined reality of the, the, count, the counseling world of people that actually have take this a little actually take it a little more seriously and actually seek to resolve it and you get a more uh real disciplined definition of it a reality of it the first thing they do is you got to separate the idea of a toxic person and a toxic relationship you can have a toxic relationship with a person and the person themselves not a toxic person you can have healthy people that don't necessarily have a healthy relationship. And the second thing is to try to define some sort of characteristics. Like, oh, that should be simple. There's got to be it's so talked about, there must be a really nice cohesive list of what what is this toxic relationship and how do we fix it. And very quickly, you can find lists that vary anywhere from five characteristics to 21 characteristics. 21 common characteristics of this or that and toxic relationships. And I'm going, that would be a very long sermon if I came to you with 21 points. I think we'd we'd be here a while. I didn't do that. Don't worry. You, You should have packed a lunch if I did. We won't go through that. We won't go through all of those. So what I'm seeking to do here is define... Toxic relationship in very, five very concise points. And then we're gonna see if there's some deeper meaning there. So five common, these characteristics tend to be on everybody's list. One is, you might be experiencing a toxic relationship if you don't feel valued. Your feelings don't really seem to matter. Your point of view doesn't really seem to matter to the other person. Your needs don't really seem to matter to the other person. Another point is, very common one, you feel like you are putting more into the relationship than you're getting out of it. It's a two-person relationship, but somehow the load seems to fall more on you to make it work than the other person. Another attribute, you feel like you're walking on eggshells. Trouble communicating. Very simple, meaning, I gotta be real careful what I say to that person. They, they explode, either they explode or they'll give me the silent treatment or there's just a, there's a, there's a problem there. I just feel like I have to be, I can't be real with that person. I gotta walk on eggshells. Fourth common attribute. You feel like you're always wrong. Never good enough. Can't ever seem to make them happy. And these tend to lead to the fifth one. There's a feeling of resentment or dread towards... You start feeling resentment towards that person, almost a dread of seeing them. And it's someone you love, and you know you shouldn't feel that way, but you find that creeping in on you. I'll give you some more down-to-earth, common feelings of this. As we're going through this, I think we would agree—you know, these—this makes relationship difficult. These are difficult relationships to stay in. Certainly, can be in in a romant, romantic relationship, but also friends, also family, also any any two-person interaction. It's going to make these difficult. Let me give you some down to earth, real life feelings people have. In a marriage, you can feel, the spouse feels that things are unequal. Their feelings and needs are not valued. Again, walking on eggshells, afraid how the spouse is going to react. Can't really say what's really going on. Can't really be real. Another attribute, they keep changing themselves or sacrificing things about themselves, but it's never enough. Trying to earn the other spouse's love, but that spouse keeps making, keeps changing the goalpost, keeps moving, keeps moving the line. Feelings of someday they'll love me. That, I've seen Young couples struggle with that, it's gut-wrenching. When one is trying so hard to please the other spouse, and, I, and the other spouse just keeps moving the goal, keeps moving the requirements, keeps changing them. If you just change this about yourself, you do this differently, and the other person does it, and then, they're, well that's not enough, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, and the, these performance things of how to earn the spouse's love just keeps changing, and oh, it's gut-wrenching to watch. And culminating in growing resentment, not wanting to go home. Uh, a friend of mine telling me, hey, my coworkers, some of my coworkers, they don't even want to go home because of their, their, their marriage, their situation at home. And you're just like, oh man. it, it Gut-riching, again, heartbreaking. You can see it in parents and child relationships. Child can feel like a child may grow up and say, you know, I feel like their parent withheld love from them. It was all conditional, it was all performance based. But their parent put their own needs ahead of the child's. And it can turn into the adult child kind of resisting avoiding visiting the parent or spending time with the parent because there's this unresolved stuff from the past. I know this is heavy stuff to talk about, but this is but we're really going somewhere here. The opposite of that we don't always talk about it, is the parent can feel strained at times. Feel feel that I've sacrificed everything for my child, my child doesn't appreciate it, and they've grown up, they don't appreciate all I've done for them, and that can turn into a toxic feeling, feelings of resentment, and even simply put, even just friends or other category. Again, just that sense of I'm putting in more than I'm getting out, and the other person always gets their way. I never get my way. It just feels unequal, feels unbalanced. And all of these relationships, there's that difficulty of how do I stick with it? How do I keep going in this relationship? And again, if you take online advice, a lot of people will say, give up, abandon it, walk away from it, not worth it. And I know all that's heavy. I know all that pulls strings and pushes buttons and things like that. But what about the most important relationship in your life? That is your relationship with God. Your relationship with God's the most important one in your life. And what Happens when you start to feel that relationship being toxic, feeling that it's toxic. Something we don't talk a lot about, and my my church experience not something we necessarily talk a lot about in groups, but I've had plenty of conversations with people privately who, who feel these kinds of feelings. So I'm gonna let's look at these attributes. What does that look like in our relationship and our walk with God? Is it even possible? Is it possible to have what feels like a toxic relationship with God? And the nice, uh, what I would call a Sunday school answer—you know—that the answer that you give, that you know the right answer, whether you feel it or not—good old Sunday school answer—is to say, "Well, no, 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 you're not—you're not even allowed to say that." Come on, Jason, you can't say anything about a relationship with God feeling toxic. But does any of the following sound familiar? I try to serve God, but sometimes I feel like I'm putting more in than I'm getting out. I feel like God is not meeting my needs. I'm not even sure if he cares. I feel like I always have to give up my way or what I want. He takes away anything I enjoy. I've had had people tell me that. I've felt many of these myself. At times, I go to church and I listen to teaching, and all I hear is that I'm wrong and I need to change. I feel like if I say something wrong, God will be mad at me. I say or do the wrong thing. That's the walking on eggshells one, and then there's a, there's one the the avoidance, the resentment. I hesitate to read my Bible or go to church because I feel like I'll never be good enough. And these are toxic relationship traits that a lot of believers experience in their walk with God. And pretty much everyone I've ever talked to about this, and I have gone through seasons of feeling these myself, so first thing i tell you is I am not going to beat you up for feeling this way. This is going to be an encouraging message about what to do with these traits. And the second thing is everyone I ever talk to about this says, I'm the only one struggling with this. And I'm going, no, you and everybody else who keeps, who tells me they're struggling with it. You're definitely, you're not the only one going, you're going through this, but that's often a feeling. Another common toxic relationship trait is feeling isolated. And that's exactly what the enemy will do with these these feelings. I feel like I'm the only one struggling in my walk with God. Everyone else has it all together. And there's a bunch of people in the room that feel the same way. It's not It's not just you. We have these same struggles. So what do we do about it? Like I said, not going to beat you up about it going to share a very important truth with you. God is the only being, the only person who is non-toxic. God is love. He is the only being who is non-toxic. All of us have toxic traits about us. We have sinful human nature. And God's the only one who's perfect. So how could it possibly be that we would have Toxic relationship traits with the one being who's not. Our perception. Our perception of God is flawed. It affects our relationship with Him. And we start experiencing toxic relationship traits with the one being who's not toxic. And what needs to change is our perception. Let's see if I let me give you again. Let's contrast some of the compare and contrast some of the human the human relationship feelings with our walk with God. Put it real down to earth. You come to church all you come to church. You hear teachings and and it's it's like all it is is me. You know, all it is is about what I'm doing wrong. And how do I just keep going? When do I ever arrive at the level where I'm doing it right? When do I ever get that feeling of, oh, I'm doing things right? Can I ever make him happy? I have fear and anxiety towards God. What if I mess up? Will he understand? That anxiety can breed, breeds resentment. So, define those things, and I—I I know actually, I know that a lot of us here re- relate to these feelings. You may relate to it in the human level. You may relate to it in your walk with God. And what I wanted to do, of course, in good old sermon prep, is I got to have this list. I got to have these. Steps, so i got to have all these things to counteract every single point. Every single negative point, i got to have a positive point. But I'm praying about this. I'm working through this sermon, and I'm brought back to a one point. There's one thing people in a toxic relationship wish they had. Peace. You might be thinking, I thought it was love. Peace. Follow me here. Peace is includes the security of knowing that you are loved and valued. Somebody in a toxic relationship wishes they had that. I wish I knew that I was loved and valued. That would that wipe out half the problems right there. I wish I knew I had the peace that when I make a mistake there will be grace and there is understanding. There's a whole nother chunk of the of the list of traits taken care of. There was peace. If I had peace in that relationship, I'd know, first of all, that I'm loved and valued. Then i know that there's grace, there's understanding for my shortcomings when I make mistakes. And the rest of them, taken care of by the peace and knowing the relationship is real and stable. Worth investing in. You're not going to be abandoned. You're actually worthwhile time and effort into something that's real. And you look through all the talk, all the talk that I could find of toxic relationships. These are that's what people are are looking for for an answer, looking for peace. I wish I had peace and knew this stable. This was real. I don't have to walk on eggshells. I can I can actually be real and have and I know that there's a there's a solid relationship here. I had the peace to know that. So again, back to our most important relationship in our life, our relationship with God. Can we have that? Can we have that peace with God? That's where we're going to go with Romans chapter five. So Romans chapter five starts off with this, and let's, let's see what this tells us. Again, what our question is, can I have that peace with God that will satisfy, that will resolve those toxic feelings? Romans five, verse one, therefore since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a profound verse. That is a huge verse. It's so easy to, well, let's get past the front of chapter five here. Nice introduction verse. Since we've been justified through faith, Paul's explaining to the Romans, here's this concept. You've put your faith in Jesus. You've been justified, and you have peace with God. Not you will have, not you might someday achieve. You have peace with God. There's an interesting little footnote in there that we have peace with God. Some manuscripts actually have it as let us have peace with God. That just seems like a nice little footnote and realise, wait a minute. That includes it doesn't just mean we have peace with God. That means that put, that says let us have peace with God. When you say let us have peace with God, that means God already provided it, and it's just up to us to let it happen. It's already there, he paid for it, but it's kinda on it's up to us if we're going to enjoy it or not. We're going to walk in that peace with God or not? It's just that's a it's our choice because He already did it. He's already made His choice. He He loves you. He wants peace with you. He's already done His part. All we have to do is allow ourselves to believe it. So back to my these three points of peace here: peace, security of knowing. That I'm loved and valued. What does that tell me? I have peace with God. God loves and values me. Go to point two. Peace that when I make mistakes, there's grace and understanding. I have peace with God. There's grace for my failings and my struggles. God is the, not a being that you walk on eggshells with. He's too real for that. Do we revere him and respect him? Absolutely, he's God. But this walking on eggshells, he he sees everything. You can't you can't pretend things are okay with him or can't pretend to be okay in front of him, he sees all things. And the good side of that is he sees all things, he sees everything wrong with you that you don't even realize yet, and still says, I love you and I want you. That third one, is the relationship real and stable? Is it something worth investing in? I'm going to answer all these by going a little farther in Romans 5. Romans 5, it's going to start in verse 6. Paul's writing to the Romans, he says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Who did Christ die for? Us, the un the ungodly, the ungodly. Paul's explaining to not to the Romans, but to all of us. You have this idea and this relationship. We have this tendency to think we're almost right with God, and Jesus just put us over the top. Like we're pretty good. And then this salvation thing, this Jesus and the cross and the grave and all that, it just kind of puts us over the top and makes us right with God. And that's wrong. God says, without what Jesus has done, we're ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. Continues in verse 7, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. He's saying, hey, human terms, would you die for someone else? A good person? No, probably not. It's so very rarely. Maybe, you know, maybe a really exceptional person, maybe you'd be willing to lay down your life for him." But, verse 8, but God demonstrated his own love for us while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. See, scripture even says we were enemies of God. We were ungodly. We were sinners. Christ died for us. And he compares in human terms, hey, human relationship, would you lay, yeah, would you lay down your life for someone? Oh, maybe if they're really exceptional. But here's Jesus. He laid down his life for people who who were against him? Who did the opposite of what they should do for the ungodly? And he lays down his life, and you really can't question how much he's put into that relationship with us. Oh, who's who's putting more into this relationship with me and God? God is. He's he's done the heavy lifting. It's, let's uh, let's not let's not get ourselves here. So I'm going to go through, I'm going to give you a few points that I found on looking at how to resolve a human toxic relationship. But I kind of I want to look at these and what's this, you know, what about our walk with God? So follow me here. Here's six points from experts on how to, how to approach a human toxic relationship. Number one, have honest conversations, honest and open conversations. That's good advice. Number two, don't dwell on the past. Again, I want to contrast. These are tips for actually resolving one from from experts versus the Internet chatter, which says label that person toxic and, and throw them out of your life. This is if you're actually, this is actual resolution pursuing resolution. number two don't dwell on the past. number three view the other person with compassion. number four, take responsibility for your part. Well I thought it was pretty good advice from looking through this I'm like, wow, it's pretty good. number five is talk to a therapist especially for, like, couples recommending, like, marriage counseling, things like that, if they're experiencing this type of relationship. The sixth one was hold space for the other person to change. Kind of a fancy way of saying, give the other person a chance. And I'll go back through those here in a second, but... I want to do these from God's perspective. God's already done these when it comes to our walk with Him. Does God have honest, open conversations with us? Absolutely. Both through His Word and the Holy Spirit. His Word convicts us, but also comforts us. As as does the Holy Spirit. Teaches us, but also encourages us. Hebrews twelve tells us God disciplines us as a loving father. He says, "Don't despise the Lord's discipline. That's proof that you belong to Him." Like my relationship with God, you know, He still—I trust Him, but He still lets uncomfortable things happen to me. And, he, and Hebrews 12 reminds us, hey, he's a loving father that, lo- that disciplines those he loves. It says these struggles you're going through, these are, this is this is Lord's discipline. Don't despise that. Respect God like you respect a, a good human father. Don't dwell on the past. Word says God's taken our sins and thrown them into the sea of forgetfulness, and He says things like He's taken our sin and He's as far as the east is from the west. It's how far He's removed our sins. And I love. I got. I got to give uh, Dave Brandon credit for. I've heard this him say this several times. It's really interesting. God chose east from the west because on our. If north and south, you can go, you can go north and there's a part where you go over the top and you're going south again. Or you can go south and there's a point where you go past the South Pole and you're going north again. East and west are infinite. You can keep going west forever. You can keep going east forever. And, and God chooses to say east from the west is how far I've separated your sins from you. Immeasurable. View the other person with compassion. Romans 5 right there, while we were sinners, while we were ungodly, Christ died for us. Take responsibility for your part. That's an interesting one. God made us with free choice, free will. But then he paid for our sins on the cross. He didn't just take responsibility his part; he took responsibility, he took our part too. <laughs> you know when Abraham, he has Abraham prepare these sacrifices to make this covenant, and he splits animals on either and has them walk through. What you would do in that time, you'd split these animals and you both of you making a covenant. If I was going to make a covenant with Mike, we would kind of gruesome but we'd split these animals and we'd walk through together and say if I don't keep up my end may God may I end up like one of these animals if I don't keep up my end and Mike would say the same thing Well God does that with Abraham but God does something different he puts Abraham into a sl- sleep and God walks through on his own God says I'm taking it on me I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna leave it in the hands of I'm not gonna put that strain on a human being I'll do it. I will provide, and the covenant was, I'll provide a Savior. I'll provide salvation, a way for you to be saved. As far as talking to a therapist, the Lord's given us the Holy Spirit, our counselor. God's chosen to. God, God, again, is perfect and and non-toxic, but he has given us counselor, He's given us, he gives us human teachers, and He gives us the Holy Spirit as well to help us through. He gives us one another to walk, walk through this together with. We need to be in healthy relationships one with another. The Word says that we spur one another on to acts of love. So Sometimes we've we got to be able to encourage one another, be open with one another, counsel each other, encourage each other in the Lord. And hold space for the other person to change. Is God patient with us? Give us time to change? Absolutely. God's grace. We're not going to reach perfection this side of heaven. So we're reliant on God's grace to get to heaven. We're not going to, we're not going to get there on our own. We're not going to achieve some sort of level. And that brings me back to those Really down to earth, what does it look like to face those feelings that people have sometimes in their walk with Christ? It says, I'm I'm tired. I just keep, I keep trying to do this Christian thing and what is it you're chasing? If you're chasing a feeling that I'm, I've arrived and I'm perfect, not going to happen in this life. You spend your whole life becoming more like Christ, but at the side of heaven, we're not gonna be perfect. If you're chasing a feeling of, I want peace with God, I wanna know that I'm, I'm in good standing, we've heard that phrase, good standing, right? Someone reviews, someone you know, reviews your performance, says you're in good standing. I want that. I want to know I'm in good standing with God. I want to know that that God likes me. I'm not. I'm not His enemy. You already have that. He already bought you peace with God. That's yours right now. Not I'll earn it someday. That's yours right now. Peace with God. You're saved. You belong to the Lord. You're. You have that peace. And that means week after week, day after day. As you're being corrected and encouraged to grow in the Lord and as we're going through, that needs to have a foundation under it that we are secure in the Lord and we're growing to be more like Christ. Not because if it's, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. We're going to get downtrodden. We're going to get discouraged. We're going to start saying things like, what's the point? I don't even want to go to church. All they do is tell me I'm wrong. I don't want to open my Bible. It just makes me feel guilty. But if there's that foundation of peace, I'm right with the Lord, not because of what I did, because of what Jesus did. Now I can grow in Him with the security of we're at peace. We're not enemies. We're at peace. So I'm going to go ahead and invite Ryan the worship team. Go ahead and come on up. I'm going to ask you all to stand and give you a nice, healthy challenge going forward. I hope this has the impact on you. It does on me. This is, this, this is so encouraging to me. I've got a I've gone through the times of having the condemnation and having the uh you know what does this even look like what is it, how do I do this Christian walk kind of thing that I almost don't want to open my bible because it just makes me feel guilty or or anxiety we got to latch on to that peace Jesus paid dearly for it we're going in on our mark study this Wednesday, starting in chapter eleven, his tri- his his uh, triumphant in- entry into Jerusalem, his the beginning of the what we call the Passion Week, his crucifixion and his resurrection. We're going into that, and this is very timely because what he went through to pay for us to have peace with him tremendous. When I say in our relationship, he's doing the heavy lifting. I'm not kidding. He's, he did the heavy lifting in our relationship, and all he, he really asks of us is to believe and trust him. And you may say, yeah, but we also, you know, we also study how we have to lay down our life for him. Yeah, he has us lay down our lives for him, what we want to do, and do what he wants us to do instead. But he's right. That's actually good for us. Human relationships, somebody always insists on their way. We we know that's unhealthy. But when, when you're God and you are always right, the best thing you can do is to tell people, hey, you need to do it my way. It's the greatest gift he can give us. What's the greatest gift God can give us? It's perfect. What is perfect? What can he possibly give us that's the perfect gift? himself him his way of doing things so as the worship team plays I'm going to ask you to, first I want to acknowledge I know in a message like this this may have brought up some things of hey Jason I'm having some human toxic relationships the human level well hey, be happy to pray with you Be happy to share these six steps with you, be happy to address that. Try to help you through that. So you wouldn't come up for prayer for any reason, altar's open. And we're a praying church. We love praying for people. So altar's open for you to come up for prayer. The other thing is if you are feeling that these those traits, those toxic traits in your walk with the Lord, first of all you're not alone it's really not that unusual and don't don't feel embarrassed don't feel ashamed deal with it as as the most important relationship in your life because it is your relationship your walk with him is worth investing in he invested everything he possibly could into it it's worth it's worth us doing the same so You've been having those feelings. This is the challenge today. I encourage you going forward, walk with God. Understanding you're still growing. Understanding you're still going to need correction. Understanding... I know... I know that I am married to my wife, Tracy. But I still have to live out that relationship, right? Like, it's not... It's... I cannot be... Even the best job I could possibly do, I could not become more married to her. We're already married. That relationship is established in peace. But I still have to walk out that relationship every day. I still seek to become a better husband. Walk with God in that security and that peace that you are His. That is going to help so much in growing and being able to accept our need to change and grow and be more like Him. So, I'm going to say a quick prayer. We're going to have worship time. And if you need prayer, come come up for it. Lord, thank You again for this Word. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful reality of the peace that You paid for us to have, Lord. Lord, I don't want anybody to miss it. I don't want anybody to miss out on this peace, that sure footing to stand before you. We need it, Lord. Let none of us fall short of that. Let us have peace with God. Thank you, Lord. Close us today with one final thought. If you're hearing that message and you're like, well, that's a nice message. Uh, is that really for me? You're here today and that message is for you. This wasn't even my week on the rotation. God put this message on my heart and wanted it delivered today. So if you're he- hearing it, it's for you. God kind of went, kind of went out of—I won't say out of his way—kind of went out of my way to make sure that you got this message today. But don't let it pass you by. You have peace with God if you believe in Jesus. You have—he paid that peace for you. Let's close with one final prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the privilege of sharing Your Word, Lord. Thank you for what You're doing. Here, thank you for refreshing your refreshing spirit lord be with everyone to as they as they go today we pray your blessing your provision your safety lord above all else your will lord over our church family in jesus name amen